This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hi, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly, and greetings from Cleveland, Ohio today, where, by the way, it is much colder than it is in New Orleans. I can promise you that. But it's also where the Pelicans will start up their 2017 and look for five wins in a row when they take on the defending world champion Cleveland Cavaliers tonight. We'll have some details about that broadcast for you uh, here at the end of our podcast today. And we'll discuss the Pelicans at length with our own Joel Myers. He's the television voice of Fox Sports New Orleans. He'll join us here from Cleveland today to give us his thoughts on the homestand that proved to be extremely successful for the Pelicans as they've won four straight, four of the five, and five of six overall heading into this first meeting of the year with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Unfortunately, on the football side, 2017 kind of began on a th- with a thud as the Saints lost to the Falcons yesterday, 38-32, to and now for the third straight season, the Saints are done at 7-9. and nine. We're going to discuss big numbers today for Drew Brees, Mark Ingram, and Michael Thomas, but we'll uh, endeavor to go deeper into Sunday's loss at Atlanta with our own John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. He'll stop by after wrapping up his coverage of the final game of the season. And so we've got two great conversations for you here on our first show of the new year. And, of course, we hope that you had a great holiday weekend and uh, you're enjoying one, maybe one last day, perhaps, of no work before it all resumes tomorrow. Some of you may be back to work today. We understand that. But um, thanks again for making us part of your Monday here, albeit a holiday Monday, and on the same side, a disappointing Monday, that's for sure. So we'll uh, have those two great conversations for you today. And then, as I mentioned, before we wrap up on this Monday, uh, we'll look forward to tonight and give you some of the particulars about broadcast times and uh, otherwise for this quick one-game road trip up to Cleveland for the New Orleans Pelicans. So John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. We'll talk with us about the Saints in just a moment, and then we'll follow that with Joel Myers. Stay with us. for the entire family with a Pierre's Party Pack. Ticket packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include three or more tickets, combo meals, and an encore free throw experience with Pierre the Pelican, all for as low as $48. The next Pierre's Party Pack night is Friday, January 20th against the Brooklyn Nets. For more information and to plan your next winning night out with the gang, visit pelicans.com today. The Pelican Shop by Adidas has all your Pelicans merchandise needs, including officially licensed men's, women's, and children's apparel, jerseys from all your favorite Pelicans players, and more. Plus, it's the official location to pick up official Pelicans uniform jerseys. The Pelican Shop by Adidas, located on Dave Dixon Drive in the Smoothie King Center, is open at all Pelicans home games. Plus, Tuesday through Friday, 11 a.m. till 5 p.m. On Saturday, from 11 a.m. till 3 p.m. And anytime at pelicans.com. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly and John DeShazer. Welcome back in. Joe Myers still to come here on the Black and Blue Report to talk about the Pelicans' recent homestand and, of course, tonight's game against the Cavaliers. But here we are on a Monday morning again. That means John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. And, John, I wish we had uh, better 
better football to talk about. But yesterday was a bit of a thud here for the Saints as they finished the season seven and nine. Welcome home, my friend. Yeah, good to be home. And it, I figure really it was going to be a down downer today anyway because you're not playing football beyond yesterday. Uh, the Saints were not going to the playoffs, but you know to finish it out that way in Atlanta, yeah, that that adds another layer of of you know disappointment to the season. We had hoped that the Saints would play better. Um, we're going on a two-game winning streak, hope, hoping to win three, hoping to get to eight and eight uh, to close out the season, to give them the first non-losing season since 2013, and instead the third consecutive seven and nine season with a 38-32 loss, where you know a lot of things uh, that had gone right in the past couple of games, all, almost all those things went wrong uh, in the season finale. What happened in the first half, John? Uh, pretty much, uh, you know, the offense and defense, which, you know, were, you know, alternately the strengths of this team at times, uh, neither one of them played well in the first half. I mean, the Saints trailed 35-13 at halftime. That means the offense couldn't get anything going, so they couldn't convert on third down. They, the first series of the game was a three and out, and that was almost a harbinger of the entire first half. And then uh, defensively to give up touchdowns on two of the first five plays from scrimmage uh, and to also – give up touchdown drives on the first five touchdown drives uh, for Atlanta, those things obviously add up to, to just disaster, and especially on the road. I mean, it's difficult enough to make a comeback at home. And, yeah, the Saints scored 19 points in the, in the fourth quarter and made it respectable. But, look, at, at no point did you feel like it was a close game just because of the way Atlanta you know, pushed it out of hand early in the first half. Because football is only played once a week, John, it's easy to overreact sometimes. And I'm sure for a lot of Saints fans or those covering the team, after what happened yesterday in Atlanta, it can it can really put a nasty lens in front of you when looking at the season in general. But my question to you would be this. was Does the 7-9 and hurt more because of the way the Saints played yesterday and it was just one game to make it look as bad as it was? Or... Um, is there more to this story and, and, and just didn't end the the right way? No, I, I think it's the latter. I mean, I, I don't think it's, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't ever want to say there's a good seven and nine, <laughs> but, but this seven and nine feels different than the previous two. Now, you know, maybe we said the exact same thing last year, but this seems like a team that kind of understands a little bit more of what it is and, and how to get to where it's, where it wants to be. And, you know, if you look at the, the close games that the Saints did not win this season, and, you know, you can't ever, you know, you know count on anything concrete, but if you just look at it and say, okay, if they win a couple more of those, well, all of a sudden we're talking about maybe 9-7 and seven or 10-6 and six instead of 7-9, and nine and, you know, ifs and buts and candy and nuts and all that kind of thing. But, you know, you do have to look at it from that standpoint somewhat because, you know, you've got to be able to look at it from an objective point of view. And the objective point of view is, although there were, you know, some downs, some significant downs during the season, there also were some significant ups. I mean, if we look at it and say, okay, would you have, would you have bet money on the Saints uh, not winning a game where they hold the opposition to 16? Well, they lost a 16-11 game to Tampa Bay. Uh, so they lost a, uh, I think a 16 to nine or, or you know 13 to nine. I can't remember exactly the score, but it was a one-score game that they lost to the Giants. Uh, would you have bet that they'd have a PAT blocked in return for a two-point conversion, and that's the way they lose to Denver? Um, a pick six, you know, and they lose by six. 
to Kansas City. So some of those things you feel like if you can just get it to swing the other way or not to totally swing the other way, but just execute the basics of the game, you know, basics is a, is a, is a successful PAT and think maybe win that game against Denver. So some of those things are the things you look at and say, okay, yeah, you don't like what happened. Yeah, it's kind of elementary that you should be able to execute in those situations. But, you know, that's one of the reasons you look at it and say, you know what, well, I don't think all is lost. You know, I don't think you throw, you know, everything away because you're 7-9. There, there are, you know, some significant positives to go along with it. John DeShazer with us here from NewOrleansSaints.com. John, it, it's somewhat hard to believe that the Saints are 7-9 and nine when you look at another 5,000-yard season for uh, the quarterback, Drew Brees. Michael Thomas achieves numbers that we haven't seen since the start of Marcus Colston's career. And even Mark Ingram put up a number for the season that would remind us of Deuce McAllister. Those things are bright spots, certainly, but they almost don't fit when you're talking about a team that's finishing two games under 500. Well, because we're talking about some monster days that were balanced out by some really uneven games. And we mentioned the 11 points scored against Tampa Bay. And, we, and that was a game where the Saints didn't score a touchdown. They didn't score a touchdown against the New York Giants. Uh, that was another game. Uh, Detroit came in and, and beat the Saints 28-13, to so they, you know, they weren't able to get a lot going offensively in that game. So there were some games where they had some really significant dips offensively. Kansas City is another game that comes to mind where they did not perform up to the level that we expect them to perform up to. This is a team that averages 30 points a game, and in all those games they scored you know, you know, either less than 20 or right around 21. So you know, those were where the dips came. And then you balance that out with the monster games, you know, against, you know, the likes of Arizona and the Los Angeles Rams. And those were the ones that kind of put them over the hump. So, yeah, there's some great numbers. But, you know, some of those numbers came in some big blowout games and not enough times they, did those numbers come in some of those close games where the Saints really needed the offense to kind of step up because, you know, they had several games this year where the defense was, you know, for Saints defense for the last couple of years, you know, was pretty close to lights out played extremely well, and they didn't get the offensive support. Or you had, you had a nice offensive showing, and the defense didn't really show up that well, you know, i.e. the Oakland game. Or you have, you know, both units show up and play pretty stout, and then you have the special teams have, have a miscue. So, yeah, there were some great offensive numbers, but I think, it was, you know, that kind of is, is warped a little bit by the big, big, big offensive games. Can you imagine if there was another, another game for the Saints next week with the injuries that were sustained yesterday, John? I don't know if they'd have enough healthy bodies to get around. I mean, it, it was it, it's been that kind of season for the last couple of seasons. I mean, if you if you think about it, one projected starting cornerback, PJ Williams, played a game and a quarter. Uh, the other projected starting cornerback, Delvin Bro, you know, was off and on, and I think Delvin might have ended up playing maybe four or five games. So when you mix that in, and then Kenny Vaccaro misses the last four games due to suspension, uh, you have the linebacker situation where guys start getting hurt. Uh, Sheldon Rankins, the, the, the rookie defensive tackle, missed half the season because of a broken fibula from training camp. So, you know, it, it just got to be to the point where it was like, you know, how can you finish out this season? Brandon Cooks and Willie Sneed both had to leave that game yesterday. We're not exactly sure what their injury situation was, but, you know, Willie Sneed looked like he was pretty much knocked out cold uh, for a moment and then get in, didn't get an official prognosis on what it was and Brandon Cooks was down for an extended period of time too before he walked to the locker room so yeah if, if the Saints had to play again man I don't know I mean they'd be grabbing guys off the street right now yeah I, I think you're right about that 
John, it may not be fair of me to ask you this, but I will. Uh, the Sean Payton situation, how hot is this talk? Do you sense how, uh, at any level how real it is? Uh, and what happens here in the future here with the Saints head coach? Well, you don't know. I mean, you know, you, you have to – sometimes you, you know, you want to dismiss things out of the pocket, but look, sometimes you just got to look at it and say, okay, if there's, you know, this much continual smoke, you know, where's the fire? I mean, because – you know, rumors can sometimes be generated just, you know, by a guy, but when they're continually generated by, you know, you, you start wondering, okay, where are the rumors coming from and, and how much validity is there to it now? You know, the locker room, you've been in locker rooms. Guys generally can compartmentalize and they can kind of block it out, and especially the veteran guys who've heard it before. So I don't necessarily know that it affects you know, players' performances or a team's performance. But it is one of those situations where, you know, you can just listen to the fan base. You hear them, you know, whether it's on the street or on the radio or on Twitter or anywhere else, and they tire of it because it's like, you know, okay, let's, you know, can we get this solidified? You know, how can we move into the future onto a solid basis when you continually have this world around? Now, a lot of this goes part and parcel with finishing 7-9. and nine. If you're a 7-9 and nine team for three consecutive years, people are going to speculate about the coach's job security. Even though Sean Payton signed uh, an, uh, a pretty uh, nice extension last year, but people will speculate about a coach's job situation. So, you know, it's part and parcel of not winning, but also when you continue to hear the rumors, you know, you, you have to begin to wonder, I don't care who you are, you have to begin to wonder whether there is validity to it or not. So, you know, we wait and see, and we see how um, general manager Mickey Loomis and, and coach Sean Payton handled this during this offseason, you know, you see reports where they're supposed to be in talks and, you know, we don't know exactly what those talks would be about. You know, sometimes, you know, general managers and coaches, I'm sure Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton will tell you, you know, look, we meet after every season. So this is nothing new, you know, other than the regular coach general manager meeting as to, you know, what do we need to do or what do we feel like we need to do to, to forge ahead and make this a successful franchise on the field again. And yet, you know, you can look at it from the other side and say, okay, are they meeting to, you know, negotiate something or, or what kind of, what what kind of talks are there? So, but again, that's one of those things that just goes along with having, you know, back to back to back seven to nine seasons where every bit of speculation is going to center around a, a coach's job security, and it just goes along with it. And until you know there is a definitive statement saying, okay, this is, you know, this is what's happening or this is not what's happening, then people are always going to speculate. Yep. Well said. Well said. I'm glad that you brought that up. And like you said, Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton are going to meet regardless. It's the end of the season. That's part and parcel with the whole thing. And John, isn't it interesting in this day and age, and you and I are just a bit older, um, but with the way the social media is and, and the coverage that this league now garners, uh, one or two people can say things and, man, it becomes all it becomes an all-over-the-place thing. And uh, that's a lot different than the way it used to be, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing that, you know, it, it disturbs you. It disturbs me, and, and, and I'm sure it disturbs you too because, you know, I don't want to, you know, put a put a stamp on this, but we're kind of old school from that standpoint where, you know, you needed to, like, have something really, really concrete, and you had to have several sources to be able to just throw something out there. But now, I mean, it's almost like, you know, with Twitter, you can throw something up against a wall, and if it sticks, it sticks, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. And look, here, here, here's a fact. If you say every year, that Sean Payton is on the hot seat, eventually you're going to be right. <laughs> so, I mean, that just goes along with him. We see it a lot with, you know, with, with the Pelicans. We see it a lot with the Saints. And, you know, it, it just, 
you know, from one standpoint, it kind of grates on you because it's one of those things where, you know, what can a coach do? And if you address it every time it comes up, then, you know, how much are you feeding the beast by playing that game instead of just saying, look, I, I, I got nothing to say about it because, you know, sometimes there is nothing to say about it. If you've got to refute a report every week, then what good is it if you got to refute it every week? You might as well just be quiet and keep going about your business because that's when it does become a distraction when you're talking about it every week when there's really nothing there. But, you know, who knows Fair if enough. there's something there? I mean, a lot of times these things start up and, you know, there's a lot more there than you think or sometimes there's nothing there. Indeed. Indeed. That's about all I can say with that. John, uh, as always, we appreciate your work. I know you had a great season uh, in covering this football team. And uh, now you get a little bit of a break, and I look forward to seeing you when we get back from uh, here in Cleveland. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully you guys uh, play extremely well against those Cavs. And it, I don't know if LeBron's playing tonight. Hopefully this might be a rest night, but you know what? I shouldn't say that because, you know, when you play a team, you want to play them when they're at the best because you want to see where you measure up to, especially if it's the world champs. We uh, will have a good look at it tonight, that's for sure, as the Pelicans have not won here in two years. We'll talk about that with Joel Myers and more here in just a moment. John DeShazer with us from NewOrleansSaints.com. Saints season done at 7 and 9. And we'll move forward after this timeout. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes cancer patients come who were told they were out of options, but Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. Gravity is only a suggestion. Physics is just a theory. Impossible is merely an opinion. Monster Jam, celebrating 25 years of adrenaline-charged family entertainment. Monster Jam, presented by Metro PCS and your Southern Quality 4 dealers and brought to you locally by Chick-fil-A of New Orleans. Tickets start at $15. Prices subject to market demand. Additional fees apply. Coming to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome January 28th. Get tickets at MonsterJam.com. Hey, New Orleans. The world's biggest party just got even bigger because NBA All-Star 2017 is coming to the Big Easy. You know about the big game on Sunday, but there's a whole weekend of fun. Starting Friday night, come check out the BBVA Compass Rising Stars Challenge and the Celebrity Game. Then the D-League All-Star Game on Saturday. Even watch the best athletes in the world get ready at All-Star Practice. Tickets start at just $10. Don't miss out. Visit NBATickets.com now. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to Black and Blue Report. As promised, the television voice of the Pelicans, also a host on Sirius XM's NBA radio, Joel Myers, who hasn't been on often enough for us here in the first two months. But I just picked the good time. I just said, let's have Joel on when the Pelicans seem to be playing their best basketball yet, Joel. Right, playing small ball. 
playing efficiently. Uh, it goes hand-in-hand. Hand. Guards shouldn't turn the ball over, and they haven't been. It's been clean basketball, so it's kind of rare. Four-game winning streak, uh, all of a sudden, points off turnovers are up for the Pelicans because they have not done well in that area, as you know, Sean. There's a lot of good things happening right now. Now, I temper my enthusiasm because it was a couple of sub-500s at a Clippers team that was missing two of their big three. But you take advantage of teams. The Pelicans know very well all about injuries, and other teams have done the same to them. Any concerns about what this lineup will uh, be up against against better teams? No. uh, Actually, I think it gives the Pelicans more of a puncher's chance. If you're hot at the beginning of a game, you don't play catch-up if the guards are on. And you have a better chance with three guard lineups for your guards to actually buddies on a roll. And and Drew is setting things up perfectly. 11 assists over one turnover last game. And what was it, 10 over two the previous game. Uh, I, I actually like going to your strengths and the strengths of the pelicans right now is their their first six guards their backcourt so it gives you a puncher's chance and then all of a sudden you're on the road and that's where the pels have to improve the most it make them play catch up get off to a hot start because your guards are on and there's that potential you and i both love baseball and man there's quite a change up being thrown by alvin gentry when tyreek evans now runs that floor in there yeah it's uh, the herky-jerky style is back and as I've said before, it's entertaining to watch because we don't see a lot of guys with a arrow like that. And it's just the way he bobs and weaves and ducks in and out, uh, it's fun to see him back on the floor. I'm just happy for him because as many surgeries as he has had, to all of a sudden be up to about 20 minutes a game now and to look that good. Now, one thing I'm not surprised by is his efficiency shooting the basketball because most of the guys that get hurt, all they can do is work on their shot. And I've seen guys, and David and I were talking about Derek Fisher in that playoffs a few years back for the Lakers. He missed most of the second half of the regular season, if not better than 50% of the whole season. Came back in time for the playoffs. All he had done was he was sitting in a gym shooting the basketball. And then he hit that scary percentage. I think that was the year that they only lost one game. And that was the opener to the uh, Sixers in the finals. So Reek's shot looks good. Uh, the flick of the wrist, he's so strong to begin with, but I'm just happy he's back. There's one guy that kind of is on the outside looking in with this new rotation, Tim Frazier. That's tough for a guy like Tim who has contributed quite a bit here in the first two months of the season. But it, it's realistic at the same time, and Alvin's talked to him a lot, and you know Alvin has told you as well that he's up front with him. You can't get in a rhythm as a player if you don't get at least 24, 25 minutes. And that's the bare minimum for pros, for guys that have experienced 30 to 35 minutes a game. So he's got to understand, he will understand, and knock on wood, the Pelicans are healthy. That has not been the case over the last couple of years. So uh, I think he's mature enough, he's a pro enough, it'll all work out. The two centers also not playing here as much. Is this simply a decision of as you, I think you alluded to it, but just, hey, let's just go with the best guys we've got right now. Yeah, absolutely. Play to your strengths. And, and, and Alvin came in as a small ball pace guy to begin with. They didn't play bigs at Golden State. They had one big on the floor. They had wings and they had shooters. And that was it. Uh, obviously, in the offseason, maybe even this season, if Quincy comes back, that's still missing. But the Pels have enough guards and enough quality guards that know how to play the game. And there's better additions, as we both know, on the way. So good days ahead. Uh, it's fun to watch guys on the floor, though. The ultimate was at the end of the game, and this is why I love the lineup, is I think everybody touched it at least once, and it finished at the end of the shot clock with a little more than a minute to play on a dunk by AD after each one flipped it off to him on the other side of the paint. So to see that kind of basketball, 
I, I, I dream of 25 to 30 assists a game. That's the ultimate to me. And with this lineup, the Pels could potentially get it. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, we'll talk about Cleveland tonight in just a moment. First, though, uh, Joel, the team hasn't announced anything as of our taping in this interview, but uh, there are reports that Donatas Montaunas is coming to the New Orleans Pelicans. Get me up to speed on, on his story and what this could mean for New Orleans. Well, he's, he's got an interesting skill set, and I had him before he even played because he was in summer league, and he was probably 50 pounds lighter. And one game I had, he had six or seven threes. So he actually has a really nice stroke. He's got the fundamentally sound elbow in. He knows how to play uh, stroke outside. But he has developed a nice block game on both sides of the paint where he's got his back to the basket. kind of old school the way he anchors the pivot, and he swings one way or the other. He didn't see that happening for him. If this actually happens, the Pelicans are getting a guy who actually knows how to play outside, inside, and he's got a decent basketball IQ. So it's not like you're adding somebody that's going to bust up chemistry. If anything, you're adding somebody that could add to your chemistry, a smart basketball player. Does, does, he, does he eventually start for this team, Joel, or, or does he play a, a significant role off the bench? What is your, what's your vision you, for, for your uh, outlook here? Yeah, I don't, if he does come over, I don't think you can start him anyway right away because you've got to get a feel for the system and what Alvin wants to do and also the spacing of his teammates and the strengths of his teammates. As you and I both know, you have to find out about guys. There's sweet spots where they want it on the floor. So that's only with, and you can't practice all that much during the season, that's only with experience with his teammates and reps. It's going to take a few weeks for that. But the good thing, if he does come over, we're not even 40 games into the season. So you still have a half a season remaining. And then after the All-Star break, then if you catch fire, it could be fun for everybody. Well, Joel, your reward for going 4-1 and one on your recent homestand is a road game against the defending world champs. Give me the preview, at least from your standpoint, of Pelicans at Cavaliers tonight. Well, they're at home, and I've been an advocate of this on my radio show. If you're going to rest, guys, rest them at home. So if they want to rest any of their big three, fine by me. It's a, it's a Happy New Year kind of gift. So, but... I love to watch the best on the floor. So I joke when I say that because I'd love to see LeBron. Uh, but, and Kyrie, is there a sicker handle in the NBA? I don't think there is. Maybe Steph Curry. Uh, but it's, it's a toss-up for those two. And then Kevin Love. And I was, I was at their camp, Sean, uh, before the season began and, and sat down with Tristan Thompson, who's only played 8,000 games in a row. And I commended him because he hasn't missed a game over the previous four seasons. How great is that? And so Tristan Thompson... Um, and sat down with Kevin Love. Kevin Love is in a totally different place in his life, and you can tell. And it translates onto the basketball floor. Okay. He's really he's in a good place now. So you read his body language, and it's transferred into all of a sudden his, his usage and, and points, everything. He's off the charts. Is, is, I'm sorry, just to finish the thought on Love, is, is his game allowed to grow and be more productive because – a guy like J.R. Smith is now out for an extended period of time? It doesn't hurt, so he's going to get more touches. But I think his role is more clearly defined. Okay. And I don't know if that was the case before. He was kind of stuttering a little bit on and accepting that role because he had never been a third option <laughs> and sometimes a fourth option in a possession. So that was different for him because they got two ball-dominant guys. But it'll, I look forward to seeing Drew on Kyrie Irving back to their big three. Drew on Kyrie Irving. Uh, 
Does AD take love? That brings him away from the basket to the defensive end of the floor. Uh, does he try to stay in front of LeBron? You don't want him in foul trouble. So there's a lot of great scenarios going into the game. I think Dante will most likely be on LeBron yeah. to start the game. That would make the most sense, but don't ask me. I didn't coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, because Dante was the assignment on Porzingis the other night. I thought he handled him quite nicely. Yeah, well, what, what was that game where uh, Dante was up against somebody last year and shut him down completely because we all made a big deal out of it. It was pretty amazing. So the, Dante has had those moments, and Dante actually is playing a really complete game at both ends of the floor now. So his confidence is up because anybody who knows going in that they're going to get minutes, uh, they're ready. They're, they're always ready. There's, there's a confidence about them, and you can see it. Not that he's getting a double-double every night, but he knows he's going to be out there, and they need him. He's a necessity now. Here's we start the new year. We've got six weeks, Joel, until the All-Star break. Do you want to see the Pelicans at 500? Can it happen by the break? And then does that set up a pretty fun stretch? They have to play better on the road, period, because you've got Boston coming up. You've got the Knicks and the Nets. You've got a, a winnable game in Chicago. Now, what are you going to do on this upcoming road trip? I think that's going to say everything about where they're at. They're 8-3 and three against the East. We should be in the East to begin with. We both know that. Should be in a division with Atlanta, Charlotte, uh, Orlando, and Miami. Perfect five. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so they're eight and three. I'm just looking for all the positives I can find right now. If they do well on that road trip, and by well, just close to split on that road trip, I think they could be in pretty good shape for 500. By the All Star break is 50. Basically, yeah. that's 50 games into the season. I was hoping it would be 40. That's not realistic anymore. No. But maybe. If you do well on that road trip, because now they're starting to play like we know they can play at home, you could get close to 500 by 50. All right, so if they're 500 by 50 with the way the West is shaping up, as you've been watching it closely, would that put you in the conversation at, the, at that point? You, you are right now okay. because you've got Philadelphia helped you at Denver a couple of nights ago. That's 19 losses for Denver. I watched Sacramento get smoked yesterday by Memphis. They've got 19 losses. Yeah. So as strange and as bizarre as it sounds, Pelicans are only two games back out of the playoff in the loss column right now, out of the playoff spot. And then you look at uh, the situation in the Western Conference overall, we may have for the first time in many, many years a losing record as the eighth seed. So anything can happen. Right now, they're in a really good position considering the way they started the season. Uh, I'd love to say they're the Washington Wizards, but they're not 500 after a 2-8 and start. But they're not in bad shape either because the other teams have faltered right in front of them. In fact, they're in great shape with the way things have transpired over the last couple of days. Who's your MVP this this uh, this point after watching Harden last night? That's why I'm throwing it out there. I don't think Westbrook it, it could be denied a, an MVP right now. For the mere fact, as much as I love what Harden's doing, uh, that team's not, to me, even a playoff team if he doesn't get a triple-double. That is required. So, And then to have him close to the top four, and win another game where they just blew away. And granted, it was an injured Clippers team again. Uh, but they're beating people up at home, which they should. They're per pretty close to 500 on the road. And I don't even see them as they'd be fighting for the eight if it wasn't for Russell Westbrook. So in the middle and four or five seed right now, uh, it's hard to believe. There's more around. There's pros and experience around James Harden. And I, come on, was it? 53, 17, and 16 yesterday, or as we taped this, when it airs a couple of days ago. Uh, so I know what he's doing, and I watch it all the time. But he's got more around him. I'm not going to 
penalize him for that. But if you're asking at the 40-game mark right now, Westbrook. Meanwhile, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard down there in San Antonio is just going, "Hey, <laughs> I'll see in I'll see in May, see in possibly even June too." Well, and even Kevin Durant is number three potentially before Kawhi Leonard because Kevin Durant's usage has never been lower, and, and his efficiency has never been higher. So he's not getting the same kind of run and, and the ball in his hands like he did in Oklahoma City. But because of it and the quick touches and the good looks and everything that goes on with their system. He's way up. He's one of the most efficient guys we've seen in a long, long time. Let me finish by going right to your uh, sweet spot here. You've been doing this a long, long time. That road trip that you mentioned coming up, Boston, five days in New York, Chicago. I can't think of a better culinary road trip in my time in the NBA. (laughs) That's a pretty outstanding trip. It's going to be an expensive trip. (laughs) That's what it boils down to. Two nights off, actually three, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday in New York extremely expensive road trip so get the expense reports ready yes (laughs) if you follow joel on twitter um i'm gonna i'm gonna prompt him here to to lay down breadcrumbs for future visits for any of your followers joel to those cities because you'll lead them the right way through that corridor of food yeah but unfortunately a couple of our places are closed carnegie closed yesterday forever uh katz's is still good zucker's for the smoked fish in new york but uh it's a shame and now the, the only thing left are the chop houses, Mulberry Street. Uh, if you want family style like Carmine's, you know, after a theater, uh, after the shows on Broadway, there's a lot of great places still. I won't waste your time on it, but it's a long list, believe yes, me. Yes. I had to throw that in there at the end. Jill, thanks as always. Enjoy your call tonight. Thank you. The New Orleans Pelicans have the perfect way for you to win the night with your buds by scoring the Guys Night Out ticket package presented by Coors Light. Packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include two tickets and four Coors Light beers, plus two collectible pint glasses, all for as low as $50. Win the night with the next Guys Night Out on Monday, January 5th against the Atlanta Hawks. Visit pelicans.com to plan your Guys Night Out today. Are you ready for a new challenge? Set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with over 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce cup, and sip your way to your goal weight. With flavors like pineapple mango, strawberry blueberry, dark chocolate banana, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goal. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Take the challenge as part of a low-calorie diet and daily exercise program. Weight loss depends on individual needs. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. Stay tuned to NewOrleansSaints.com as we continue to uh, kind of put a wrap on the Saints season. We'll do that throughout this week here on the Black and Blue Report as well. Tonight, as I mentioned, in Cleveland, it's the Pelicans and the Cavaliers. That's a 6 p.m. tip-off for you back in New Orleans or anyone in the central time zone. And our coverage will begin at 5.30 tonight on the television side with Fox Sports New Orleans pregame coverage and also pregame coverage on the radio network. Pelicans Radio Network kicks off with Daniel Salerson's Pelicans warm-up show at 5.30 as well. And then Victor Howell and I will have play-by-play for you on the radio again starting at uh, 6 p.m. Central tonight as the Cavaliers do own the best home record in the NBA. They have the best record in the East 
And uh, we'll see tonight if uh, Kyrie Irving is able to go. He's been bothered by a hamstring here of late. He did not play in their last game. The Cavs have won two straight coming into this one. And the Pelicans will be looking to win in Cleveland for the first time in two years. Uh, So this could be a big one before the uh, Pelicans come back home for a Thursday game against the Atlanta Hawks. Tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report, Daniel Salerson's your host, and uh, that that host, or excuse me, that podcast will be highlighted with a lot of Pelicans talk and Jim Eichenhofer from pelicans.com. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody. Thanks again to our guest today, John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com, and for Joel Myers uh, stopping by as well. And we'll see you next time right here on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly, and this has been the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.